You're listening to the Safety Moment Podcast by Utility Safety Partners. Safety is always a good conversation, and it's a click away. Here's your host, Mike Sullivan. Welcome, everybody, to the Safety Moment Podcast, part two of our discussion with Mr. John Lovink of Lovink Media, talking about the credible spokesperson program that he has been uh, delivering for many years and the the absolute importance of, of being ready for communications in a crisis situation. What we're going to be talking about today as we move our conversation along is, is really the character of, of the person delivering the message. Delivering the words is, is one thing, but how you say it, how you present yourself, and really the empathy that needs to be embodied by the person delivering the message is so critical. And not just for the words, but whether you are in video or social media, that's absolutely imperative today as we move along. Does, does the communicator, does the person delivering the message, do they need to have an element of empathy? So, you know, it's kind of critical in crisis communications, uh, for sure. In ongoing uh, communications, it, you know, people have, oh, maybe people have differing understandings of empathy. Empathy can be, it can be sympathy, for sure, but that's not what we're really talking about. It's like actually being able to make a connection with people at a way that they feel that you understand who they are. That kind of thing, I think, in a social media-driven world is more important than ever. And of course, um, very well used by our political, quote-unquote, masters, uh, you know, as they identify you know, their target audience groups and they empathize with them and they build their, you know, they build their base. Uh, you can, you know, you can talk about how politics is now being conducted in small little groups of, you know, in that space. Yeah. yeah, in yeah. that space, you know, so it is absolutely critical, I think. Um, and sadly, also m- highly manipulative in politics, at least. It but, is. And politics has changed so much in the last... Oh God! Five years, ten years has changed it, so much. It really has. It's 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 driving people into into camps, and uh, and then aligning with those camps in order to get the number you know of votes that you need. But let's stay out of the you know the sort of the horrors that politics has become, and just say, look, um, I, I do think, um, you know, one of the key things I think if you're going to put somebody you know uh, out there as a spokesperson, they've got to be able to connect. And they've got to be able to connect not just to their message, but also to the people affected by whatever it is that you're doing. You know, and in your world, of course, safety is number one, right? right. And and so really, that's what that's what good communications looks like, right? You have the right person delivering the right message, and uh, and they've been coached. I mean, you have to you coached a lot of people. You've gone through this for for many many years, John. When when you have somebody who's coachable, it's got to be better than somebody who just like, let's face it, it's not for everybody. Well, yeah, I don't, I would say maybe, let me answer that this way. I, I think I've probably coached, let me say, 3,000 people. It's probably more. I'd say it's a lot more. That's my guess, but anyway. Maybe not. I don't, yeah, I've not, I haven't recently haven't added the numbers up. But look, here's the deal. I don't think in those 3,000 sessions, I've come across more than 50 people who aren't coachable. You know, look, the, the, it is possible to get really good at this. 
this authenticity, empathicness, uh, you know, um, responsiveness, uh, understanding how to answer a question um, in a way that that re reflects on your expertise. Well, knowing how to stay out of the weeds, knowing how to stay within your sandbox, so to speak, being repetitive in a positive and engaging way, staying on, you know, staying positive, staying positive, not letting your own negativity get in the way. Do you have an example of that, John? Like who out there that in a big story has embodied all those things, been empathetic, been the right person delivering the horrible message? Um, who out there has been able to, to do that? There's lots of examples. Um, and I might say that, let me think. Um, okay. The one that comes I, I, to mind for me is, is Maple Leaf. Yeah, I'll go to there, but I'm, I'm going to go, I can draw on that and I'll come back to that if you like. Uh, but in the current context, during COVID, especially during the beginning of COVID, all, all of a sudden we saw all these medical health officers, you know, take on the leadership role of communications around this absolutely devastating and frightening thing that was happening in the world. And none of us knew what was going to happen. It was terrifying for every single one of us. This was even before vaccines. Um, and so you saw, you know, the media, I'll talk Canada specifically. You saw the media just glomming on to all of these expert medical health officers. And about four or five months in, in that first summer, maybe less, I think it was about August of that year, there was all of a sudden a spate of news coverage about who was doing the best as a communicator. And this is reporters and columnists saying this. And there was almost, I would say, close to 100% agreement that Dr. Bonry Henry out of BC was the one person who'd really gotten people on side really well. Why do you think that is? I think, <laughs> well, look, let's put aside the fact that all of the medical health officers had the expertise, right? So that's for sure, right? Sure, yeah. And all of them are committed to the same set of principles, which is protect people, protect the seniors in our in our seniors' homes, um, uh, figure out what best to do to make sure the fewest number of people caught this illness that we didn't know was gonna what it was gonna do to us. Um, so all, all, they all had that, but what most of them didn't have, except Bonnie Henry, is that connection to people. It's tone of voice, it's pausing, it's pacing, it's thoughtfulness, it's not only is she an expert, and you know, and sometimes we see experts as distanced from us because they put themselves on a on a pedestal and they talk from a pedestal and that's and talk alien, to us instead of and with talk us. to us, right? Yeah. And, and it's yeah. alienating. And plus we're in fear, you know, and plus, you know, we don't know whether we trust them or not, you know, and all of that. And I feel like what, what the, the way Bonnie Henry did this, both in her language and the way in which she explained and the simplicity of her language, um, you know, just go to her first news conference when, you know, when they first, uh, had to announce that there had been deaths, and I think these were the first deaths in a senior citizen's home. And just her tone of voice and delivery 
To me, as a reporter, former reporter, and I think to every reporter in that room, they got how serious this was. They got that she really cared about this. Mm -hmm. They were prepared to listen to next steps that people were having to take. And there was much more of an openness to taking, quote unquote, direction from Dr. Bonnie Henry than I think, at least from a reporter's perspective. And I got to say, I'm a former news guy, so... You know, I look for people who actually look like they give a damn. Oh, she was gen- she was genuine. It just seemed that way, and that's not to criticize, you know, Dina Hinshaw in Calgary or anything. Uh, you know, she did her job, but there was an officiousness with her. I felt right. Uh, and, no, good job, and I'd be the last to criticize any of these people. A good who, job in a horrible situation. <laughs> a good job in a horrible going situation. Away, yeah, but. You know, when you measure the, on the trust scale of being really good at this and getting more compliance, at least initially, you know, it was her. And, you know, later on, I mean, people get tired of the message and eventually I think some people called her, started calling her Saint Bonnie, you know, but, <laughs> but, but, people you know, were tired. Was, they were tired at all. Yeah, they were tired of it, like They're everybody. Fatigue, yep. Fatigue. You know, you mentioned Maple Leaf, which, I mean, that goes way back, you know, I mean, this is a long time ago, but, you know, you, you, you have a company that's, pushing out product that's, uh, you know, that, that's got, I think, listeriosis, I think is what it was, was in the, in the pork products. And they had, you know, so big company out of Toronto that produces basically a high percentage of the volume of pork products that we're eating. Uh, you know, that all had to be shoved into the, into the garbage bins, all that product sitting on shelves. And he knew his company, he knew his company was going down, or at least that's what he was concerned about. And he, this is way before really social media became a thing, right? He got ahead of this and put out a YouTube video. Like, it's crazy to think about that that happened. You know, it was two minutes or less, maybe not even that long. He acknowledged they made a mistake. He said it was never going to happen again. He said, you know, he, he focused on, you know, on, on what actions people needed to take. He was contrite. Um... And, you know, he made some com- statements of commitment, you know, that, that were really powerful. And he did what every, what now every politician does, right? He got that out there before the news media even started covering the story. And, and all of a sudden the news media are using, you know, that, that, that video to cover the story. So he was using the power of social media to, in its early stages, to... Uh, to focus on the core principles of crisis communication, you know, uh, we're going to find out what went wrong. Uh, we're gonna, you know, we're going to get everything off the shelves right away. Uh, we are, com- we are a company that's committed to food safety. We are, you know, we are all, you know, um, devastated that th- this is happening. And his appearance in that video, and I recall that, and this is why I brought it up. His appearance to me was. I remember that more than the message, more than what he said, because he looked absolutely exhausted. He looked disheveled to a degree. And here's a CEO of a, of a massive corporation. He's delivering the message, and it looked to me to be 100% genuine. He really meant every word he said. It's funny you say that. I, I, first of all, the context. It was done at 2 in the morning. Uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, if you're in a crisis, you know, just on that note, like 
you know, if you're from Calgary, everybody remembers the flood, right? Sure. And everybody remembers that at least at that time, you know, the mayor of Calgary, Ned Nenshi, seemed like he was like there all the time. And he built a lot of trust at that time, you know, whatever people think of him now. But um, that, that idea of being there and, and just getting on top and getting ahead of that story is what they did, you know, with Maple Leaf. And, you know, he had a good advisor who said, get this video out and get it out before the news media wakes up. <laughs> and, you know, so, yeah, tired. Um, some people say it was a wooden presentation and maybe that's true. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, you know, not a natural speaker, but... He got some coaching. He got it across. He his clothing was was appropriate. God, I'm thinking way back now because I haven't seen that video in quite a while. You know, and he had the he had the right clothing on for the audience that he was talking to. You know, it was not a big corporate setting. Uh, you know, so you think about things like that when you're doing media. You have to even think about in those situations. You have to think about the clothes you're wearing. For God's sake, yeah, silly, yeah. silly as that. You have to be thing. relatable. You have to be relatable. So, yeah, so there's a good example of, you know, you hark me back to, uh, you know, to, to, to that, that uh, Maple Leaf crisis. And, and yeah, I mean, it, it, it's kind of ironic that that would have happened uh, so many years ago and set an example of how to do it well and how many companies still struggle with that idea. You have a month, maybe a little bit more, of those dog days of summer left. How many things are left on your honeydew list? If you're going to be excavating, if you're going to be digging, please click before you dig. One click costs you nothing. Not clicking could cost you everything. I want to talk about social media a little bit. We talked a little bit about social media at the very beginning and how it's changed everything. Uh, there's, it's almost like, well, if you wait, you know, a couple of minutes, another story is going to overtake the last one. So, you know, we don't have to be too worried about what's going on right now. But at the same time, it's forever. It's out there and it's not going away. Um, you know, the, the social media, the impact, sorry, of social media today uh, can be a burden. But as you also mentioned, mentioned relative to the fires in BC, the emergency, ongoing emergency there, it's also a, a fantastic beneficial tool. When you're delivering coaching today, when you're delivering uh, cred training today are you are you going into that element as well are you, are you are you talking about and showing the benefits but also the drawbacks too right yeah look firstly my coaching is primarily focused on helping people under scrutiny so that's cameras that's microphones and and that takes place on facebook live it takes place on twitter it takes place now on uh and, sorry now it takes place on twitter it takes place on facebook it takes place wherever people are in front of people, and that's stakeholder meetings too, right? Um, so the detail of how to get into managing social media in a, in, in a critical situation, if that's what you're asking, that's not my meche, but, um, but I teach people this. If you're not on social media in a crisis, you're going to lose the game. Mostly, you know, you can avoid it. Um, you know, there's still lots of oil and gas companies, the smaller ones in Calgary, they, they don't go there. They and choose for, not to. Sort, they sort of good. To. They choose not to. And for some reason, for, you know, they're not downstream companies. Their reputation is managed to a degree by the Alberta Energy Regulator uh, and so on. So 
you know, I, I can sort of see it. Now, others do, you know, use social media, primarily those who are stro- strongly connected into the communities, whether it's Grand Prairie, Red yeah, Deer, yeah. you know, where there's really community relationships at stake. Um, but I don't think that you can avoid social media anymore and should not. And I think the key thing around so what, what I think you asked, what, what, how do I deal with social media in a crisis? First of all, you have to be clear on what you're messaging, you know, and what it is you need to get out there, right? Um, and you got you to gotta distinguish between messaging and facts, right? People need facts, right? And social media can be a hugely powerful tool to deal with what are the facts. What's in the river, you know? What's in the air? How long will it be there, you know? What should I do now? These are not messages. These are facts that people need. And the most important thing on that level is when there's a critical incident that affects people, they need information. They don't want somebody telling them a message. We're good people. We will do our best. They want, what's the data? Mm-hmm. You know, when did it happen? Where did it happen? How did it What are you it doing happen? about it? And what are you doing about it, right? Yeah. Specificity. Specificity. Now, emergency responders know about that, so, you know, they know all about that. Then there's all the inaccuracies out there all the time. All the time. There are people making stuff up, you know, including we should get out of Grand Prairie now, you know. (laughs) Nope, you know, or, you know, or don't drink the water. Right, uh, be, you know, boil water. There's so many much information. Well, and that's out the, there. one of the biggest challenges right now is separating fact from fiction, because so often the fiction looks quite like fact, right? It it's, looks it's, so real. Oh, yeah, it does. It does. So people, it can, it can. People really have to, you know, uh, well, first of all, corporations, organizations, people, they have to take a responsibility for correcting misinformation. That is almost that. First of all, that's critical, and you have to have responsive tools to do that. You know, so that becomes critical because you don't want people acting on information that's inaccurate, and there's so much inaccuracy out there. And really sad to say, but a lot of Canadians are not media literate. You know, they are they not enough well, we, people. We've just been recipients, right? We've been recipients for right. whatever we're told. Right. We have, uh, you know, that's right. And we, you we've know, been one, conditioned. we've been conditioned to find out where the, the, you know, it's a curated source of information and we should rely on it. And now that reliability is in question, right? I'm not saying that traditional news media, that reliability is necessary. But when it all looks the same. When it all looks the same, how do right, you even know? That's right. So, you don't know. So this becomes the responsibility of corporations, organizations, regulators, uh, and organizations like yourselves to make sure that the information that's out there ac- is accurate. And that then requires an incredible, that just requires the need for speed, right? So uh, the, in the cred principles, that's responsiveness. That's the R of responsiveness. So that deals with social media. You got to be in there, you got to manage it, and you got to manage the information. Uh, and you have to be able to assess what that information is, uh, and whether it's accurate or not. So it, that's, and that's really part critical. of the you know so so much of the the, the importance of, of social media. Whether or not you have an active presence on social media, I think as any organization, responsible organization that has an impact on the public or the public re- relies on you, you have to have it at the very minimum. 
you have to be watching social media. You have to be paying attention because you could be brought into a story. And if you're not following it, then you don't even know you're part of it. Uh, and if, if you, as you just said, you know, responding to the facts and we've had that situation, exactly that, uh, you know, Alberta one call a number of years ago and, uh, you know, it was global news. They put out a tweet Tell us about your issues with Alberta One calling. Where did this come from? Oh, really? And you know, yeah. And uh, you know, people were saying, "Oh, there's locate delays. There's this and that." And it's like, okay, people think we actually are the ones locating. And we started inundating Global News in Edmonton with information on here's what we do, here's what our members do, and here's how you trigger the process. You know, the public requests to locate. We uh, process a locate and we provide it to our members who will then respond whether it's a locate or not and we kept pushing that information to global news and all of a sudden it just went away and because they were reacting to a, a story that really wasn't a story and we were able to provide feedback and that's a great example mike and i just say keep in mind especially now in 2023 i i suspect there are a whole bunch of reporters that have never heard of alberta vertical Probably not. Or, or the new organizational name. <laughs> Utility safety partners, yeah. yeah. And, 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 you know, ultimately your job is not to be hostile about that, but to but to do your job to correct. To Even correct reporters it, yeah. out there, not in a hostile way, not to say, oh, you guys screwed up, but, you know, to say at some point maybe there's no story here. That's right. right. That's right? exactly what it was. There's no story here. There's no story here. And, and that's not blind somebody with your brilliant PR. No. It, it's just to say, all. it's just to inform reporters who are working on four stories a day right now. You know? <laughs> it's my job to wave that flag saying, here's who we are and here's what we do. And feel free to contact us if you have more questions. So right, absolutely. You know, so today to not to not have a, a social media presence, that's a decision. But to not follow it, that could be detrimental. Well, and that's, of course, that's critical. You got to, like, you know, the, there's 10 key points of media management now in a crisis. One of them is monitor social media and be fast and responsive. Because if you don't get ahead of the story on social media, it'll reverberate through, through traditional media who often don't have the time to check the accuracy of facts anymore, you know. Um, and so, you know, as you know, you know, there's going to be lots of inaccuracy in all traditional news media now, sadly because they're pushing out stories and their responsibility to get on the digital platform so quickly. So they're relying, I would say, on you, for example, in your case, Mike, to correct their mistakes and not in a hostile way. No, and, no, you know, not at all. No, not at all. They're doing their best, I think, under the current circumstances. You know, where in Canada, you know, people are being laid off left, right and center. All the promises that Post Media made you know, and all the other, you know, organizations to our government regulators about what they were going to do. All of those have, many of those have been broken. And so goes the, the, um, the reliance on media, right? Well, you told me you're going to do something, now you didn't do it. And the credibility, this diminishes further. But John, I, I always love talking to you. Uh, we could be going on and on and on. Afternoon here, we really could. Well, there is a lot to talk about, and and maybe we pick it up in, again another time. But I really want to thank you for being on the Safety Moment podcast today. We're long overdue, and uh, long overdue to get together in person again too. But uh, John, thanks for joining us, and uh, let's do this again sometime. It's a real pleasure, Mike. Thank you. 
You can find out more about John's Credible Spokesperson program by going to lowbinkmedia.ca forward slash credible dash spokesperson. I want to thank our producers, stories and strategies, and I hope you choose to follow this podcast on any directory you're listening on. And please do leave a rating. We appreciate it. You can also follow us on Twitter at utility underscore safety, and we're also on Instagram and Facebook. If you'd like to send us a note, maybe you have an episode idea, please email us at info at utilitysafety.ca and put podcast in the subject heading. I'm Mike Sullivan, the president of Utility Safety Partners. Click to know what's above and below. One click costs you nothing. Not clicking could cost you everything.